0: we have.
1: My name is Zrenka Tokic. I'm the director of ThinkLab and the e-Challenge at the University of Adelaide. So Think Lab is the University of Adelaide's business incubator. So uh, we have locations in Adelaide. We've got headquarters here in Adelaide. We have a location in Singapore, um, New Zealand. We have regional locations in Loxton. And we have a ThinkLab at Waite, which is our Waite campus, which is really around agri-food and wine.
0: We'll probably go a bit deeper on this when we get really into the interview, but just you know as a bit of a summary, what's the e challenge
1: What's the e challenge okay so the e challenge is a pre accelerator program and um, it's been running for twenty one years and it really is a program that takes you from idea to market ready, or as we put it, kind of incubator ready. So we use the eChallenge as a program to feed into our Think Lab. So it is the first step. So ultimately you come in with an idea and you spend three months working on that idea so that you're incubator ready. And that goes from testing the market to um, you know really looking at whether there's a need for this product or service, and then you get mentoring and support the whole way. So it's a three-month program.
0: What was your first exposure to the Australian Startup Ecosystem?
1: I started working at the university in 2005. I really just started working at the university and it was the Entrepreneurship Centre. And at the time, you know, I really didn't even know what entrepreneurship meant. I actually just came in to work there for a few months and um, I was an interior designer so I didn't know anything about business. I thought, look, I'll give this a go, this sounds interesting. So it was the Entrepreneurship Centre for Innovation and Commercialisation. It was a big mouthful and it was this small centre that had three people working there and basically we used to run programmes uh, that were involved with commercialisation. So we had a Master of Technology Commercialisation and a Master of Entrepreneurship. And uh, that was where I really basically learned about entrepreneurship and, and what it was.
0: Is, are there any, or what lesson have you brought across from your interior design background that's helped you in, in this, you know, this world of entrepreneurship and startups?
1: So, you know, that's really interesting that you say that. Design thinking in particular, that was something that I brought from interior design and uh, I found that Having that background, when you're working on, on projects, um, designing for people, you, you really have to listen to the customer and, and really see that you're designing for them. And that's basically what I brought to, to, to the university with me and I, without realising it, though, because design thinking wasn't a really big, big kind of buzz thing at the time. And it is now. And so, and I went to Stanford later on in life, you know, in 2018 to do, to actually learn more about design thinking and to to actually bring that into everything that we do. So, yeah, that's, that's probably what I bought. But, you know, ultimately working at the university and being involved in, in entrepreneurship gave me a lot more. I was handed the eChallenge program, which is our current pre-accelerator. Um, It had been running for a few years and the school didn't want to run it anymore. And they said, Serenka, do you want to look after it? So I said, look, I'll give it a go. Um, And I didn't understand anything about business plans or business at the time. So it was quite quite a uh, interesting journey for me because I had to find presenters for different topics, you know, around intellectual property and marketing and, um, you know, opportunity assessment at the time. So I had to find all these different kind of business professionals, which actually launched me into the world in a, in a great way, actually, because I actually met all these amazing people that, that could actually help entrepreneurs. And then we put this program together at this three month program together. And the the most wonderful thing about it is I'd see the students actually take part in the program and see the change that it, it brought in them. You know, they'd come in with an idea, but then they became, they, they did all this research and they became the experts. And that's what I really loved about the program is they became these experts and they they actually pitched and we all learned from them. So I actually learned more from them than I think they probably learned from from us. And um, and over the that probably a five year period, I actually picked up so much myself that now you know I run running a number of businesses outside of work, and I've launched products into the you know U.S. markets and other markets. So it actually has made me more relevant being an entrepreneur myself because. I'm no longer someone that just talks about entrepreneurship. I'm doing it and, and I'm relevant and I can actually pass on my current knowledge to the participants. And I think that's where I have actually learned so much from the program and I learn so much every day from the students that are involved as well.
0: Jumping back for a second to Stanford University and the design thinking course there, what, was, what do you think the, the main takeaway that you, that you brought out of that was?
1: I think we spend a lot of time um, thinking and overthinking our designs and I I remember the first day we got there, you know, no computers, no phones for four days, four days straight and we, we actually worked from 8am to 8pm and everything we did was in eight minute blocks and I was exhausted after the first day because we would actually do activities, you'd have to draw something, um, build something in eight minutes. and you know, I used to panic. I was thinking, oh, my goodness, how am I going to do this? After the end of the, the kind of four days, I was finishing tasks in five minutes. And so I really think uh, that's what I took away is that we spend too long overthinking, overthinking things and designs and the way we're going to draw things. Just do it.
0: Was there a, a you know, you joined the uni um, in 2005 and you mentioned, uh, and I can't remember the full name of the the Department Entrepreneurship Centre for commercialization or something like that
1: yes uh, it was called the innovation center for entrepreneurship and commercialization then it changed to ecic so the entrepreneurship center for innovation and commercialization so it was always this big mouthful and no one really understood what it meant um so i spent a lot of time explaining what we did
0: i'm assuming that was all rebranded and repackaged into what we know today as the think lab or am i wrong about that
1: no, um, it, the think Lab was actually part of ECIC at the time. So it was designed, and this was in 1993. So think Lab is one of the oldest incubators, I think, in Australia. So in 1993, it was launched, and it was designed to support students so that they could actually work on a business and um, do a degree at the same time. So they'd do a Master of Entrepreneurship or a Master of Innovation and Commercialisation, and... They would actually walk away with a degree and a business, so it was very, very clever at the time. And um, it wasn't called Think Lab at the time; it was just called Thebeton Incubator. And um, we shortened it to Think Lab. So it was a Thebeton. It was based at Thebeton, and it was an incubator and then laboratory. So, um, so that's pretty much how the, the name was born. Um, and it was soon after that, that it actually was more and more embedded in the university around commercializing innovations, commercializing research. So it was really around education. ThinkLab was around education and working on a business with support while you're working on your degree and still is the same thing. So to this day, it's, it's about having a degree and working on your business and, and finishing and leaving the university with a degree in a business. And I think that's that's a really, really special thing. That's a special thing about ThinkLive.
0: I'm, I'm sure it's very challenging running, is it five different locations?
1: Five. Yeah, we had six up until last year. So last year we had a location in France. Um, obviously COVID hit the region very hard. So we're still looking at, at heading back to France and, and having a location there. So we had six prior to that.
0: It must be very challenging running. What's the most rewarding uh, part about your job?
1: You know um, what I love about it is each time that we enter a new location. For example, France. It's we're a startup. Uh, I feel like I'm constantly in startup mode, constantly learning, constantly looking for new markets, cons- constantly testing as well. And I think that's the most rewarding part. It keeps me interested in the job. Uh, that's that's what I love about it. It's actually quite thrilling, launching a new location, meeting new people, working out whether there's a need for, for the, th- the Think Lab in, in a certain location. Where does it fit? How does it fit into the, the local ecosystem there? Um, you know, There are lots of culture issues and how do we fit in there as well? Um, it is a really fascinating thing to actually launch a product or a new service or a company in a new location. And, uh, and for example, for, in France, it took it took me about three years to actually build it there to actually get it off the ground but that was through our e-challenge program so we started actually teaching the e-challenge program in Nice and Lyon and Paris and in all these business schools and they actually said look we don't really have anything like this here would you like to have a think lab here as well and and so basically that's how think lab was born in in France as well it was a very exciting time and um, at the time, entrepreneurship wasn't that big in universities. This was around 2015 in uh, France. So we we actually, you know, hit a hit a, a market that there there was a real need.
0: You know, speaking about entrepreneurship, wasn't really as big of a thing back in 2015. That you've been involved in the uni since 2005. As the Australian startup, you know, scene for lack of a better word, didn't really start getting going until 2010 2011 2012
1: exactly going
0: back to 2005 in Adelaide and in South Australia can you paint a bit of a picture about what what did the community look like in terms of you know people who did you look to who were kind of those those beacons um what organizations were there that were doing great things in the space
1: yeah so back back then there was um you know uh, there was a venture capital board and that was a um South Australian government initiative, so they kind of would sponsor and give us some money. We our main money came from Hewlett Packard. So Hewlett Packard was really looking to um, engage students, and um, they were looking to be uh, be attached to innovation and entrepreneurship. And so, so they were they were actually. Um, really wonderful to work with in those first few years because they really were supportive of of innovation, entrepreneurship and and new product design and development. Um, Locally, you know, there were pockets of of people that were interested in investing. You know, we had Playford Capital around. There were other investors, private investors. It was very um, ad hoc. It wasn't um, like there was The only kind of real body that was around that would actually, um, that I had a fair bit to do was was the Venture Capital Board of South Australia. So um, otherwise, you know, you'd have your your law firm. Some of those um, kind of were were interested in entrepreneurship as well. Yeah, I, I would say that's probably about it. That's probably about it at the time.
0: What did you? At what point? What year? Maybe what I don't know that you started to notice things were shifting. There's more of a community developing. A lot more started to happen. Is is there any? Can you pinpoint any time?
1: Yeah. Look, I remember. I think it was Paul Daly and a couple of other people. um, They decided to map the entrepreneurial ecosystem. I can't remember what year that was actually in. That may have been way back in 2012, 13 or maybe more, more recently, I can't, I can't remember the year actually. Um, when they started to map the entrepreneurial ecosystem in South Australia, we realised how many things were happening in the entrepreneurial space. And I think that was a turning point because people actually started noticing each other. We were kind of doing our own thing in silos. And, and, and as soon as they mapped this ecosystem and they brought us together for meetings, we started meeting each other. And, um, and so we, it wasn't such a lonely journey. Um, this, the, the group grew and, and then we had the Marjoram Distillery you know they um, I think they also started that kind of incubation space as well more incubators started turning up around Adelaide but ultimately you know ThinkLab was around on its own for quite a while.
0: You, you mentioned silos and that, that's a theme that comes up quite regularly in these interviews do you have any idea around why silos develop um, Yeah, you know, why groups tend to kind of Form and they don't really understand what else is going on over there or over there. They just get stuck in their own little their own little group.
1: You know, it's it's competition, and I think South Australia particularly is small. And as soon as universities start competing, it's competition for students. It's competition for to for kudos as well. It's like who's doing it the best. Uh, you know, it's it's a really interesting thing because ultimately, I haven't felt like we've had to compete so much with others because we do have. Um, students. We've we, we have students. So we're designed Think Lab is designed to support staff, students and alumni of the University of Adelaide, so locally, right? So we do take companies and startups from outside the university, but not that many and we select those carefully so that they add to the community. So we have a constant influx of students and alumni and staff that are wanting to enter ThinkLab. So we don't so much have to be as aggressive on the outside to get all these startups in. And I think that's where the competition really starts because if you're competing for great startups. and you want to be seen as the best. That's how those silos sort of form and you get a, you get a bit competitive. But ultimately we have these wonderful students that, that we work with. So we, I haven't felt like I've had to compete on that sort of stage. Um, and I've always felt very happy to collaborate because um, it's, it's, it's always helped us grow and help the university grow and, and help students, open opportunities for students as
0: well. Fast forwarding to present day, what are some of the biggest gaps that you've observed today? Where, where can we make the biggest improvements?
1: It's that early stage funding. You know, I deal with lots of startups at the early stage and I don't think it's about government funding. They don't, it's not government funding that they need. It is they really need to just get. 50,000. That's all they need. Some of them really just need that that start. And, and the big gap is no one wants to invest in you till you've got some traction, basically. So how do you get that traction with no money? It's hard. So that's the biggest gap. It is ultimately you can't get an investor on board here in Australia until you have traction, you've got customers, until you've really proven yourself. And how do you get there without money? And that's where a lot of them actually fail and I remember years back we had this amazing um, innovation that would was a this is this was back in 2010 a vine pruning um, AI kind of machine I had phone calls from all over the world as soon as they heard about this this team and no one would actually invest in them no one would put any money in them until they could prove that this thing could work and the only way they could get it to work was under um Really controlled conditions, and at night time under lights, because daytime would actually affect the 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 actually movement of the robot. So, you know, they, this was an amazing South Australian innovation that was never going to take off because they couldn't get that early stage funding. But you know, everyone everyone all over the world was ringing saying, "We want this. If you can make it work, we want it." So, you know, that's just an example of an innovation that was just actually just kind of left up to sit because. Um couldn't get that early stage investment.
0: If a brand new founder came to you tomorrow, what one piece of advice would you give them to help them succeed?
1: Oh, you've got to stay hungry. You've got to love it. You've got to love it. You've got to be committed. I see time and time again, if you're not committed and you don't love what you're doing, and if you're not agile as well, you have to really ultimately go into this process with an open mind and think, this may or may not work, but I'm ready to change direction. And so I think that's that's my big, big takeaway is go into this loving what you're doing, but also be ready to change direction.
0: Do you have an unpopular opinion about the startup ecosystem or startup community? you know either positive or negative, just something you firmly believe, but you find yourself having to convince everyone about it.
1: Okay, the startup community, I think can be a bit clicky, and um, this is uh, we've noticed recently there are more kind of groups coming. And, and forming and I have spoken to a lot of uh, startups downstairs in ThinkLab and a lot of them say it's hard to penetrate the startup community sometimes. So that's I found really interesting because I'm in there and so I don't feel like I have to penetrate it but then on the outside um, looking in and wanting to enter this community and be embraced by this community as a startup and sometimes they're not welcome with open arms.
0: Does anything come to mind in terms of a broad sweeping or a you know a big movement that you have seen in your time in the space that really helped push the community forward or, or get you know get us to the next level stage whatever that is
1: so when i started way back in 2005 we'd take students or participants through a three-month program and you know very rare would they have a website at the end very rare would they have a proper logo now i think with the adoption of of these open source online tools Every single student, every single participant, every single startup has a logo, has a website, at least a landing page, or even a, a, an app that you can click through. So I think the the emergence of these amazing online tools have changed the, the startup world and made it faster. And, and you can actually go from idea to your prototype in days. And I think that is an, a most amazing aspect of, of what's happened to the startup ecosystem as well, that... That things are moving a lot faster, and you can actually create and change and, and make things very quickly.
0: That's so true. Like the cloud hosting services, where you know you can get a website up now for you know a few dollars a month, as opposed to having you know, you know twenty years ago having to buy all the hardware and it cost ten thousand dollars. Exactly. You've got all these amazing tools like Canva, whereas you know previously you would have to spend thousands of dollars on a graphic designer to do something.
1: Yeah, you do logo generators, anything.
0: Yeah. Well, so all of these things that have that have taken away roadblocks and made things a lot easier. What roadblock still exists? Like, what's the next roadblock that you think we we need to kind of work on smoothing out?
1: Okay, that's a that's an interesting question. I think ultimately it is investment perception as well. I still, you know, that's a perception. So ultimately, we are in the entrepreneurial ecosystem, so we kind of we get it, right? But. I still speak to parents and, and of students that will come on campus and, and they still don't get it. They want their kids to be lawyers, accountants. They don't realize that these jobs are disappearing, that they're, that they're no longer existing and, and that, there's, that their kids have to be agile. And, and one thing that entrepreneurship teach them, teaches them, and if they do an entrepreneurship course at university, is it teaches them to, to look at opportunities, to understand what is a good opportunity, and how to pitch that opportunity. So ultimately, whether they, they work on a startup or not, they're gaining amazing soft skills that they can take to an employer. So they're actually entrepreneurial within an organization, they're intrapreneurial. And I think, I think perception has to change outside of the startup community as to what entrepreneurship can do for a, a person and for their personal growth.
0: Keeping in mind that what the team and i are trying to do is is create a, a documentary that will as honestly and holistically as possible tell the story of the australian startup ecosystem over the past few decades we want people from all corners of the ecosystem to listen to this story founders investors academics policymakers either thinking about any one of those categories or all of them what message do you have for them like what do you think people need to hear
1: you know it- I suppose I have been doing this for a very, very long time and and I found it absolutely thrilling and exciting and I learn more every day from the participants than than anything else. So I think governments are starting to realise the value of entrepreneurship, the value of small business, and I actually think you know, that's probably the, the biggest thing that, that is, has kind of emerged over the last few years is finally, finally entrepreneurship has has its place. And I hope it will actually continue to extend and be and, and grow and that the entrepreneurial ecosystem will grow. Um, there are some amazing accelerators and incubators all all over the world. And, and I think, you know, we also need to link in more and as soon as I go overseas or to, to our other locations, I realise there's a, there's a massive world out there and, and there are so many new connections that we can make. And sometimes we do kind of stick very close to home and I think it's time to, to really branch out as much as we possibly can. And we may need a bit more help with that. And it'd be great to see more Australian startups hit international markets and, and have assistance to do that.